This is Boyfriend, and I'm here to tell you about Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to Hangover Destroyer website, hdestroyer.com, write happy hour in the coupon code, and save a 30% off of Hangover Destroyer. Seize the dawn, y'all. Seize the dawn. Happy Hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com, brought to us today by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. For loving care when you're not there, go to PetitePetCare.com. Buy basics, swim and gym. A full range of swimsuits, workout and yoga clothes with style. The all-new Basic Swim and Gym is on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. And by Comic Con 2015 is coming to New Orleans in January, the 9th through the 11th. Congratulations to Tina Cochran, who won our free tickets to Comic-Con on last week's show. Go, Tina. Yes, if you'd like to have a shot at winning tickets to Comic-Con, you can on this week's show. If you don't want to hear any more of this crap, just go straight to our Facebook page right now or our Google Plus page and find out how to enter to get your tickets to Comic-Con 2015. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour. A cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, in this case we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans, which is a restaurant and a bar that serves handcrafted food and spirits where Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich and bartenders put fine booze into a glass. Correct, ladies and gentlemen? That sounds like some bullshit slogan. And if you think that's just some sort of bullshit slogan, Andrew, it's not. Chef Kevin White was a chef with Mario Batali in New York before he moved to New Orleans and opened this restaurant and puts all this fine dining experience into making these awesome sandwiches. Have you had one here yet, anybody? Mm -hmm. Andrew's had one. Donnie? Not yet. Not Not yet. yet. We have time today. So my guests today are in this order. Cindy, Donnie, Boyfriend, and Andrew Duhon is here. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hey, man. Andrew, how's it going? Great. Would you like to know a little bit about these people sitting around the table? I would love to know a little bit about these people. When? Like now? Let's do it right now. Okay. Donnie Markowitz is a New Orleans musician and composer best known for co-writing the Academy Award winning classic song, I've Had the Time of My Life from the movie Dirty Dancing. Look at everybody's face around the table here. (laughs) <laughs> I know, isn't it shocking? He really did write it. Is that you did write that song, Donnie, right? That's not. Yes, it, w- it was originally I had my time with your wife. <laughs> but, uh, you know, legal troubles and all that. Right. It was changed to I had the time of my life. What year actually was that? It, it was uh, 1987 was when uh, Dirty Dancing came out. So it a, really is a timeless classic. Because hmm. everybody around this table is different ages. Mm-hmm. And everyone had the same expression when I said that, read that sentence. Yes, even us old people. Even the old folks? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And is it still getting played on radio everywhere? Is that how yeah, everybody knows it? it? It's, still, uh, it's still as popular as ever. And uh, it's actually, the musical Dirty Dancing is coming to town next week at oh, the Sanger nice. Theater. For Are you serious? For do a few you, days, yeah. Do you get free tickets to something like yes, that? Yes, I All do. Right. I got eight tickets for opening night. All right. Nice. And where's awesome. it going to be at the Sanger? At the Sanger. Yeah. Has there been a stage version of it before? Or is this the first one? Yeah. It started uh, eight, nine years ago in, uh, in England, I believe, in London. Do you have anything to do with that? Do you have to sign off on it? Yes, I have to sign off in it and collect money. Nice. So well, every time that, someone no. buys a ticket, <laughs> every time someone buys a ticket to the stage show, you get paid as well. Well, there's a percentage of royalties for the song being in the show. So every time they there's a performance, right, I get about three or four cents. Pretty good, right? <laughs> so what about what, from what about something like you know? Because there's no is it it still gets played on radio, unlike yes, other songs. So you're still getting radio royalties. As it's well. still yeah, but it, as you know, the the way the music business is today with the streaming and everything, we it it's nothing like it used to be. Right. And Even uh, for a song like that, that's just probably on every oldies station. It, or it, it plays all the time on the radio, but it's also on YouTube like 500 million times. And no one and, gets a penny for you, that. You know, you right. make a Penny, literally yeah. pennies for that. So you wouldn't even get pennies. You get nothing for that, don't you? It just ain't right. And right. I got four kids, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it just ain't right what they done to me. What You're they right. done to my music business. I've I, had four. Just wait till you wait, wait till you see them a little older. 
right. You have no idea of what's going to happen. Yeah. Did you write a hit song? Save those pennies. Cindy, did you write I a hit song? No, I wish I had. Well, we'll find out about you in that in just a moment. <laughs> Donnie started out in New York as a musician, playing bass in a band called Speedo and the Cadillacs. He performed at places like the Apollo Theatre, Radio City Music Hall, and the Roseland Ballroom before winning the Oscar and moving to Los Angeles, where he spent the next 20 years writing for film and television. So he spent 20 years after that trying to recreate a I giant worked, hit song. I worked, from the, I worked my way from the top down. <laughs> <laughs> I started at the top That was I the worked first, my way down. Was that song the first thing you ever wrote for, for It was movie? the first song I ever had recorded on a record. Oh, wow. my God. Could you imagine? Wow. And I thought it was just a... a college film called Deadly Dancing and uh, I didn't know really much about it other than the, wow. what our direction was in writing the tune. And uh, what, what did they tell you they want? What were they looking for? They, Something they that sounds us, like... Yeah, they said they wanted a song that sounded like it could be happening in 1962 and also in the late 80s. And it starts slow, gets into a groove, and lasts for five or six minutes. That was okay. the direction, and they said the movie took place in the Catskills, and I'd been there when I was a kid, so I, I, got the, I knew the vibe of the film and, uh, and all of that. What do you, when, so. when you say you went there as a kid, Jewish people who lived in New York used to go to the Catskills yeah, right. for, for the summer holidays, right? or summer vacation. Did you do that? That's what happened Well, we didn't go for summer. Well, actually, we, my grandparents had a farm in Wallkill, New York, which is, I guess you could call it the Catskills, but... We didn't go to the uh, resorts. Like, I, I remember going there once for dinner or right. something, and it was a, it was definitely a strange environment, even for a six-year-old. You know, it was pretty weird. But it was you know, people dug it, and it was portrayed correctly in the film. So they had these giant like resorts, like it's like high-rise buildings and swimming pools, and like a sort of a club med type vibe. In yeah. the middle of upstate New York, I've only seen it once. It's all been now these days. It's all been deserted. It used to it's be like a ghost a, town. It was called a Borscht Belt. The Borscht yeah. Belt. Yeah, yeah and all the Jews from yes, New York would go up there. You yeah. know, and uh, well, the entertainers would. And the entertainers, and it was very Jewish oriented. And uh, it, it was. It, it's it's not in existence any longer. It what was, happened? Why did it fail? What happened to all the dirty dancing type world? Disco. <laughs> disco, disco killed the Jews' vacation. Yeah, is that a song? Uh, it should be. Yeah, that's really. A great cue for your next hit, whatever yeah, it was. That's, yeah. that's a country it song, right? Yeah. In. yeah. Is that really what happened? It wasn't disco. I guess it was international travel. I don't remember or something. because I was a hippie right. back in those days, and uh, you know, in well, the late not, '60s. You're not now. No. You've given up your hippie ways. Yes. It says here in 2009 you remarried. I yes. guess you were divorced at that point. I was divorced. Just as well. Yes. Otherwise, you would have been in a lot of trouble with the law. I'm not a Mormon. And moved with your family to New Orleans, a move which paid off last week. Congratulations. When you were nominated for a Grammy for producing a Bobby Rush album featuring Dr. John. Beautiful. Yeah, awesome. man. Yes. Yes, I love New Orleans. It's been great. We love it here. All the folks and uh, we've met musicians and people. It's, it's just awesome. Well, how do you go about winning a Grammy? Andrew can tell you because Andrew won a Grammy. And that's false. It's not. <laughs> he always say, every time I say this, he says the album won a Grammy, but it was it actually didn't. your it was album. Nominated? No. I'm mean, not nominated for Grammy. <laughs> I thought it did win. Take no, the man. Oh no. God damn it! it <laughs> Where didn't. have you been? <laughs> how long ago was that? It was a whole year ago now. Yeah, last that's year. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, Daft Punk won. Oh, that's right, wow. Daft Punk. They won like out. ten. They couldn't give us one. Yeah. I don't even think that record was any good. Did you, boyfriend, did you like that record? Not really, no. Me neither. Did you hear it, Donnie, that Daft Punk record? Uh, that, uh, I, I did. I thought it was pretty cool. Did you? I thought no, it was I'm hyped kidding. Up. I don't <laughs> even know what that you is. You don't even know what it is? Oh, my God. Yeah, How I'm could you not to, know that? I'm trying to impress my wife, who hopefully will be listening, that I know that. that. She knows what Daft Punk is, but you don't, she is does. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, well, you need to pay more attention to her. I do. You do? Believe me, Let's I do. go there in a minute. Boyfriend, I'm going to tell everybody about you a little bit now. Go right Boyfriend ahead. is a New Orleans musician who has been described variously as a rap bet middler, the Carol Burnett of hip-hop, and, quote, like if Alanis Morissette made a rap album. Mm. But the Huffington Post may have said it better than anyone, calling Boyfriend, quote, the sex-positive English nerd who defies every rap stereotype imaginable. Is that a good description? No hyperbole was used in any of these descriptors. No hyperbole. It says sex positive. That's okay, right? Yeah. What does that mean exactly? It means you're not afraid to talk about sex. Okay. And it scares what would people. S- what would sex negative be exactly? 
I guess to, to not talk about it in okay. such a way as to repress it. Okay, and what do they mean by English nerd? You're not English. English major. An English major. I was an English major. At mm-hmm. what college? UCLA. Really? Mm-hmm. How'd you get to New Orleans? Mm, by way of L.A. <laughs> I got tired of being somewhere that wasn't Southern, and I didn't want to move back home to Nashville. So I came here, which was foreign enough to feel far away, right. but still drivable to Why home. Did you and, go, and people look you, at you in the eye here. So you went from Nashville to UCLA to go to college, and you stayed in L.A. for a while. I was there for five years. What did you do after school? Then? I worked in production, actually. In the movie biz? Mm-hmm. Thinking you the wanted to bills. do what? What did you want to do? Well, I've... I still do it at some level, which is help ideas become reality. So I worked in... Are you in development? I did work in developmental production. Hey. And now I just do it for my own ideas. What movies were you working on? Oh, I worked mostly in TV and live events, like PBS specials, like Beatles cover bands and river dance. So you're working on ideas for those things? People come into a room and say, hey, we're going to have an idea for a Beatles cover band documentary? Yes, and I mean... What do you talk about? To me, production is problem-solving at every single level. You know, it's... Say that there's a short film that you're working on, because I also worked on short narrative films, and you really want a scene of someone dragging someone up a staircase because that means something to you, and it's symbolic. But you can't find a house that's affordable, that's in a good location to shoot, and that has a staircase. So you have to find some other way to convey that visually. Is it a long hallway? Is it alongside a fence outside? And it's these sort of um, conversations about protecting this idea from budgets and egos and stereotypes and schedules and all of that, getting it from point A, the conception of the idea, to point B, the audience. So you're talking about creative solutions to practical problems. You're talking about writing a screenplay or coming up with the... Right. Like, at at that point, I was entering it once the idea, it it, um, was already kind of coming into existence. But now I get to make up my own ideas and make those come into existence, which is more fun. That is more fun. Did you know that you could sing back then in L.A., or was it a secret until you got here? Oh, it was a secret. Really? <laughs> well, I come from a family of, of songwriters growing, growing up in Nashville. And uh, everyone really? in my family come, has a I much better voice than I come from a family of songwriters. <laughs> Have we ever heard yeah. that sentence on the show before? I don't think nope. I've ever heard anyone say that. <laughs> I come from a family of songwriters. Tell us about your family of songwriters. Um, well, they're all creatives, professional songwriters. And I was kind of the white-collar sheep of the family, <laughs> as I deemed myself, because <laughs> I was a paper pusher at some level working right. in production. Um, and I was just... I don't know, doing the, the normal life thing, you know, but working, what, what using spreadsheets for my job instead of so you're a, chord you're progressions. you were a rebel. I was a rebel. And then I uh, decided to join the family business and become an artist. So what did your folks and cousins and brothers and sisters write in Nashville? Were they country music writers? Oh, well, we span the genres. My stepmom is a jazz singer. My sister is writing pop in L.A. And my dad's a country music songwriter. Do, and we, then I've do we know any of their songs? Um, you would, my dad, because he's been in Nashville for forever, and he's had several number ones, okay. like for Diamond Rio and Keith Urban and Tim McGraw. And he wrote a Tim McGraw those. and a Keith Urban and Diamond Rio hit songs. What was the Keith? Uh, what was the Tim McGraw one? Saying he's well, a local boy. I must stop you because okay, you shouldn't have my dad on if you want to ask about. We him should too. have him on, sure, because <laughs> I have a burgeoning career as well. Okay, amen. Well, let's talk about you. Let's forget about your dad. I'm not talking about him anymore. Um, where did I get up to? Boyfriend's debut EP, Love Your Boyfriend, Parts 1 and 2. Part 2 just came out, I saw yesterday. Yes. So good job. Yeah. Thanks. I don't think I've ever heard that anyone, either anyone putting out an EP in two parts. I decided to. That's an interesting idea. It was a bit of a surprise. It's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it says here, uh, boy, Love Your Boyfriend, Parts 1 and 2, which is available wherever good music is streamed and stolen, right? Indeed. You can get it on Spotify and Audio, everywhere else. Audio, iTunes, right. all that good stuff. You don't have to pay anything for it. You can just go here. Right, pretty much. And yeah. Uh, features striking songs and inventive videos for tracks like Attention, a straight-out f- straight demand whose chorus is simply, look at me, I need some fucking attention, and Like My Hand Did, a song that tells the story of a guy whose life appears to unravel, quote, all because you didn't make me come like my hand did. That's a fair... End quote. End quote. <laughs> That's a fair summary of, uh, of those songs, right? I think it's fair, yes. It also says here that by day you're a school teacher. Past tense, I was. You quit. I quit. Good job. I up and quit. Okay, when? Uh, July. 
Nice. Turn my back okay. on the children. Just said, screw those <laughs> What little kids did you leave <laughs> in the dust? Left them crying. Good. Yeah. <laughs> what school was that at? Uh, I, I did after school care. Uh-huh. And, um, do these parents or do your, have your no, parents heard your songs? My parents have. My parents have, yes. What but do they think? They're supportive. My mother's less into it than my dad. <laughs> my dad has a sick sense of humor, so he's... Yeah. Right on The board. songs are really great. We're going to yeah. listen to a song in just a minute. First of all, I want to introduce you to uh, Cindy Orsfeld. Hi, Cindy. Sorry to make you sit there in complete silence all the no time. No problem. <laughs> but I have a very extensive bio for you, which is three sentences, so it shouldn't take me long. <laughs> Cindy Oswald was a lawyer for 34 years. Well, I still am, technically. W- why does it say was a Well, lawyer? you know, I don't know. Semantics. What, you still are a lawyer? I still am a lawyer. Cindy Oswald has been a lawyer for 34 years. Yes. Okay. What sort of law do you practice? Well, I started out doing real estate law and a variety of things, and, and then I took a little hiatus from, from that to raise my family, and then went back and did regulatory work, which is, that trust sounds. me, not the subject of any cocktail conversation. Not worth talking about regulatory work. It would bore work. you to a stone. Really? It's just, <laughs> yes. Can you give us one sentence about what, what are you regulating exactly? I kissed the asses of every federal and state regulator I ever came in contact with. Who are you being paid by? Who's, hi- who's hiring you? Somebody various, with a business that wants yeah, to break the law. various corporate entities. Do you anything about fracking or anything like that? No. No, so no oil and gas. Just no mainly consumer protection type stuff. Like so. what? So I don't know. Debt recovery, that kind of good stuff. Debt recovery? Uh-huh. What does, like that, what does that even mean? Well, it's it's complicated, but it's boring. Trust okay. me. Right. That's well, why I'm not doing okay. that shit anymore. So mm. the hell with it. It was too boring. Did you get paid a lot of money for it? Yep, decent amount. Yeah, see, that's how they get you. Yeah. All right. It says here too that you've been a realtor mm-hmm. since the mid '80s with Jacqueline Clarkson Realtors. Yes, I'm, that's my mother. Your mother's Jackie Clarkson, Clarkson the city mm-hmm. council person. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in the political family. I did. Yeah. Wow. I've run political campaigns. You ran a political campaign for your mom? Uh Uh-huh. Several. Really? And I've worked on every single one, but several I've had to come in. I've had to step in as a lawyer at times, so that's been fun. After she put a foot in it and said something? No. um, Mainly people doing things that, you know, we we had to challenge, like dead people voting, people in the hospital Mm. Mysteriously, come waking up out of a coma and voting. But your, you know? your mom's a Democrat, right? Uh, I thought it was the Democrats that always got blamed for dead people. Well, y- you can't describe as that black and white down here. What do you mean? Well, it's, it's either a Democrat or a Republican or independent. There's well, yeah, three but choices. but we have something. It's it's a blue dog Democrat down here. Mm-hmm. So you you you're going to be socially pretty um, relaxed, even maybe to the point of being liberal. But fiscally, you're going to be a little more conservative. I'm lost. Andrew, you following us? I just vote, man. (laughs) You don't just you don't just go you don't vote a straight party line down here. What do you do? Well, you look at vote for you like the people or you don't like them. You know, and you like what they do or you don't like them. But nobody runs as a Republican here in New Orleans, and nobody gets elected as a Republican. Not in New Orleans, but the rest of the state. And my mother's been a Democrat her whole life, but she's she's a very moderate person. She was a city council person. Right. She wasn't running. Well, she was in the House of Representatives as well. So. Um, she was? Mm-hmm. The in state the, house. The state house. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. What, what do they do? Is well, it's a legislative well, body for the state. Right. So, yeah, so she did that. So I've done do a variety vo- of things. Right. Do you guys both, Donnie and boyfriend, do you guys both vote here? Yes. I have. Okay. So you both, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. citizens. I wouldn't call myself a blue dog. Right. <coughs> is that where those blue dog paintings come from? No. No, I, I don't know. I really don't know, but I don't think so. No, I, I thought it was a yellow Or a Dixiecrat. They call them a Dixiecrat. A Dixiecrat, I've heard that. Uh, my mother yeah. says maybe a Truman Democrat. I don't know. She has a variety of definitions for it. So I just, I don't so care. So you, you and your mom are both realtors. Yes, and we have another sister who does it as well. So we've done that. I, I started doing that, in fact, interestingly enough, yeah. when the film and entertainment business first came here in the early 2000s, I was one of the first people who went knocking and begging to put up very famous people in their homes, to rent their homes, and I was routinely shot down. And Why? People didn't want Tom they Cruise didn't, well, they didn't want sleeping like in their bed? An actress I, who <laughs> shall go unnamed um, who was fell it? asleep with a cigarette and <gasps> almost burned down something on Audubon Place. Well, I don't think so we can get away with unnamed at that point. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who was that? Can we guess? Well, it's reputed. <laughs> Boyfriend. Reputed to be Courtney Love. I don't know. I don't know. Well, oh, that's, that's probably perfect. true. That's perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so I, she's not I even a movie star. I approached friends on Audubon Boulevard to, to have their house used for somebody who was coming here to film the movie Ray. I was told no. No, we can't go through that again. So mm. now people come up to me and say, please... Yeah, find someone to lease my house because I think I can pay the rest of my mortgage off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're paying like, yes. what is it, like $25,000 a month yeah. or something for these Unbelievable stuff. So, yeah, so we've done, but I've done. So, tell us about that. How, does it, how do you find that? How does that person find you? So, who would that be like? Well, I mean, my husband does the film tax credits. My, Lanny. Yeah, Lanny. Now, we've had him on you've the show that, before, yes. My daughter is a that film and a tax entertainment attorney. To hang out oh, yeah, it's place. a trip. And then my youngest son is actually in the business. He. Um, right has produced his own feature film and he works um, he, he's gotten into like I think 11 film fests and yeah but let's talk about what happens when somebody comes to you to and you. says I mean how does like who was someone famous who you had to find a house for for example well I haven't done it in a while I mean I was looking for um, Jamie Foxx at the time so that is a long time ago you haven't, yeah. that's the last person Jamie Foxx well <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've been Ray asked no t- sooner than that um, I mean uh more recently than that, but not a whole lot. People like, because you know why? Because people uh-huh. have actually stepped up and formed companies and they do that now. Oh, so they don't need you anymore. So yeah. you're out of that. I was just kind of a hometown person that, you know, did real estate and you must know people. And I did and I made phone calls, but, you know, now they're actual LLCs right. that actually well, What are you do doing all day now then? Uh, me, I'm cooking and gardening and, um, you know, doing traveling. My husband and I travel. Yeah. We just got, I got back Monday from New York. I have a sister who who opened on Broadway Sunday night. Your Ooh. sister opened on Broadway. This is turning out to be a bit of a yeah. star-studded show here. Yeah. She <laughs> opened in um, Elephant Man. Patricia Clarkson. Oh, Patricia wow. Clarkson's your sister, and Jackie mm-hmm. Clarkson's your mom. Yes. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Yes. So, so I was in New York for the the red carpet Sunday night. So that was. How was that? Who How did you wear? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I wore something that some press guy actually grabbed my arm and said, you look fabulous in that dress. And I said, thank you. Wow. I'm going to faint from lack of carbohydrates and <laughs> excessive use of a recumbent bike, but that's okay. So, did you, know, you wear Spanx? I sure in the hell did, and I hope that woman's choking somewhere, that billionaire that produced them. <laughs> what you, so you wear them regularly, Spanx? God, no. No. Because no. we were just talking about Spanx before the show started. Yeah, we were. Boyfriend oh. wears them on the cover of her EP or mm-hmm. album or whatever. Every woman alive owns them. Oh, definitely. Whether or not they'll admit to it, yeah. And I hate them. I leaned to my mother before we, we went on the red carpet thing, and I said, I'm currently incubating a very large blood clot in my right <laughs> leg, and at some point is going to travel to my lungs. Uh, so when you find me dead in the hotel room tomorrow, <laughs> I hope so all Spanx. this is worth it. Yes. Yeah, you'll look beautiful. So, mm-hmm. so who goes yeah. to this opening night? You get to take your whole family? Mo- Donnie yeah, takes us. Donnie's got eight tickets to Elephant Man. Yeah, we had. I mean, yeah, we two. <laughs> To do the dancing, and you had my how many family to went. Uh, well, I'm one of five girls, so we were all there. Everybody gets to go, mm-hmm. and, and my parents, and then wow. friends, and um, just friends. Other so. How friends. many tickets does Patricia get? What? What? Who's she, pla- she, who pl- she playing? She plays the um, actress who befriends Bradley Cooper oh, and takes wow. him in and wow. introduces him to London society. That's a good so role. So it's a an amazing th- um, theater production. It really is just amazing. So I read so that play in sixth grade. It was a mistake. Bradley Cooper is transformative. Why? You too can't. Too soon. Yeah. He is, I was just watching Silver Linings Playbook before I came up with He's that. amazing. Wow. That, and there's a, a very wonderful um, chemistry for with Bradley, my sister, and Alessandra Novolo, who plays the doctor, who really is the constant factor in the, in the production. And the f- chemistry is amazing. How did they make Bradley Cooper unattractive? Bradley Cooper makes himself unattractive in, in a very, um, you know, definite method that they, they employ. They're, the doctor is giving a, um, an anatomy lesson to med students, and as he brings the slide up, which is the only prop on the stage, Bradley's standing there in period-level underwear, which is kind of like some muslin, something that, you know, looks like a bloomer. And as they Spanx. speak, yeah, no, no spanks on him, <laughs> unfortunately. But they, he begins to contort himself to, you know, he replicates 
what they're describing wow. on that, you know, on that slide. And by the and then he continues to be in that contorted position for the remainder of the play. Wow. Yeah. It's astonishing. So for those astonishing. Those of us who don't really know the answer to this question, this is a play about a guy who was born with some sort of hideous deformity. Right. Some sort of cranial it's Elephantitis. a neurofibromatosis. You know, he's a blue Republican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the actual name of it, Cindy? I think it's neurofibromatosis. Is what he has. I, I don't know. I have a kid that's a doctor. I should ask him. But in any event, how many kids you got? Four. Four. One of them's a doctor. One of them's a lawyer. Lawyer. One's a filmmaker. Right. And one's a realtor. No, one does uh, no. copywriting. Copyright. You don't have a mm. bum to even things out? Well, I don't know. Jury hadn't fully weighed in yet. So <laughs> to be determined. Know. No drug addicts. <laughs> nobody's been in jail. Nothing. No, God, Jesus, well, help good me. Deal. Wear something like <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is all wood. This is all real wood here. Veneer. Hey, so um, so so this guy was born with a real person was born right. with some hideous deformity, and he was and in a freak show and a carny show, okay. and was, you know, brought to a hospital, and and one thing leads to another, and this this doctor really saves this man's life and provides him. He raises money to provide the man with care at a London hospital for the remainder of his life, and I read that he actually died at 27 of asphyxiation because his head was so deformed with these bony masses and things that the sheer weight of it when he laid down asphyxiated him. Mm. So um, That's how Mama Cass died, I think, the same way. Just, I don't know, but it was... Uh, it was a Wayfair sandwich. No, yeah. Ham <laughs> <laughs> and cheese. Either that or a po' boy, you know. What? So, but it, it, it's really, it's, it's an amazing show. And, okay. And my sister is nude from the waist up during one of the scenes. How does she enjoy oh, that? that? That was a treat for my, you know, for some theater goers. My father didn't yeah. pass out in the chair, right. which was, thank God. You know. Is that actually in the original play? Why would she have to do that? Well, he, he's, they're trying to show him levels of humanity that he's been denied because of his repulsiveness. And my sister does that, I think, as, as a, an act of kindness to show him that this is what a woman looks like. And, you know, he, he touches her. I mean, it's touches her hand. So Bradley her. Cooper gets to, like, feel her up every, every night. <laughs> he doesn't feel her up. He feels her hand. But she, you know, I mean, the whole, it's. Wow, that's a pretty good gig. Yeah, mm. I know. But it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I am interested in this, seeing family members um, derobe on stage uh, because I'm about to subject my own family to that if my career continues as it does because I always strip on stage. It's rap cabaret is what I do. And um, I'm going to be performing in my hometown for the first time ever right near Christmas. And so it's going to be cousins, mom, sister, everyone oh, there yeah. to see Good me. Good luck with that. And I yeah. mean, they know what I do. I'm on, did your sister like sit you down and say, "Guys, you're going to see my boobs"? We, yeah, we knew. My mother is really actually very cool with that. You know, she had seen they had done the production. Well, she's of seen them before, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, she gave birth to. Her. You know, we we all need to you know grow Are up. Are your boobs all similar? The girls in the family? <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I haven't done a fact check recently, but you know. Okay. But you know, she, my dad, my dad was actually pretty good, and. Um, the only time I think I've seen him freak out was when she did a film. Um, she did a, a really wonderful film called High Art. And um, there was a lesbian sex scene in that. And he watched that. And we that must went, be tough for Dad. We went to dinner after that, and he consumed no food. Oh. <laughs> martinis, martinis. You know, it was like, ugh. That, and I had to sit next to my grandmother during um, Everybody's All-Americans premiere. And in one of the scenes, uh, Dennis Quaid goes up under Jessica Lange's wedding dress and face first, tongue out. And uh, my grandmother, my grandmother kept going, oh, dear God, oh, dear God. <laughs> and, you know, she's the kind that went to a church on St. Charles Avenue with white gloves. And, and the other sister on the other side of me t looked at all of us and said, thanks a lot, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, would, well, you've been through this, obviously, with your family members. Do they just make a distinction between real life and a movie or real life and a play? I mean, can you get away with it, boyfriend, on that aspect oh, of it? Yeah. yeah, it's I just mean, a it's, performance. It is. 
and you, if you're losing, if they're losing themselves in your character, mm-hmm. which is way the way I tell my sister, I know she's really done an amazing job. It's I forget it's my sister, and I'm so enthralled with the character that I I don't, you know, she's not in the equation. I guess that's lovely. That's so, boyfriend. What's your well. deal? Well, you're doing it in a small club, I assume, somewhere in, in Nashville. Well, tomorrow night is the Joy Theater, hardly small. Wow. Um, yeah, no, but, but I mean, when you go home, you don't care about here. <laughs> but I'm mean, talking about when you go home and you got to right, face right, right. the mom and dad um, and the cousins. Yeah, it'll be smaller, but it's you know there's the fourth the fourth wall, and it's even though I break it constantly to interact with the audience, um, there's a suspension of disbelief that I, I challenge people to bring uh, to my shows that they might not bring to a typical concert. I try to make it more theatrical. Um, I mean, my si- my sister was interviewed recently about it. Um, because I come from a, like a conservative, pretty religious family. Like, what what does this feel like to you? Oh and she said something similar. She said, you know, I, when I watch her, it's not my sister. She's right. not there. It's someone else. Let's, let's you could feel the you could feel the hackles when like when I watched my sister in um, Pieces of April, and she had she premiered it down here at Canal Place, and when at the end of the film. My daughter, one of my daughters, and I were sitting there, and we started crying. At, at the, I mean, the film was phenomenal, and you know, we looked at it, and you know, looked at each other, and I said, "She'll get nominated for that," and she did. She got nominated for Academy Award. I mean, the whole spe- genre of stuff: SAG, Golden Globe. So I have kind of like a hackles meter, you know, and I can tell. <laughs> All right. Well, we should see what you think of uh, of Boyfriend's Show. Let's yes, take a look. Let's, I'll, I'll put you on the guest list. <laughs> Let's take a listen to something. What should we listen to? Hmm. Perhaps Attention, since okay. you mentioned it before. Okay. And it is my current single. Okay. And Do people a, still a have singles? Blatant. What does eh. a single mean anymore? The, the thing I share the most, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that people steal or play the most or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a listen to it. Look at me. 
What do you think? Oh, yeah. Donnie. I think it's got a great groove and I can dance to it. You could. <laughs> <laughs> Who writes it? Do you write the music and play all the parts as well? No, I only write the top line. Which is I refuse piano lessons when my mother tried to, to help me. So you write the melody for mm-hmm. that. Does it call it a melody and a rap too? I suppose it's a melody, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I, the word I use is, is top line. Basically anything that sits on top of the track. So sometimes it's a melody, sometimes it's just lyrics delivered via rap. But Okay, so you're a sort of a poet. Sure. So who writes the music and plays all the instruments there? Uh, various folks. The new EP, Love Your Boyfriend, is entirely produced by a band called Sex Party. That's actually local here in New Orleans. And I, I wanted to do this project with them because they use a lot of um, like analog equipment, right. which is n- not as easy to find these days. So that's actual you know, old keyboards salvaged from Goodwill, true hipster fashion. Um, who, you is, know, who is re-routed. Sex Party, though? Sex Party is, um, well, that's, that's them. They, I mean, do they play out somewhere? They, they do. I think they have a, a show coming up in January. Um, and they, you know, they have a rap situation going on in their own right. Uh-huh. And I've produced some of their music videos in exchange for them producing the tracks for me nice, for this that's EP. Cool. It was kind of a little artistic are they, swap. Are they playing the Joy Theater with you or not? No, they are not. So you make those cool videos. That are, that's why they're so cool, because you come from the film business. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very hands-on. Okay. In an obsessive, compulsive way. So I think it's, <laughs> this is a great example of what we're talking about, of a character versus a person, because you're nothing like boyfriend, even though you, we don't know your real name. Right, right. It's, it's hard. Um, you know, boyfriend, uh, the character that you might see on, on stage, would not conduct herself very politely in a, in a, in a nice interview sitting around si- in a situation right. like this. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, I must be polite. Because I'm still climbing the ladder. But once I'm on top of it... <laughs> you guys can all go fuck yourselves. The gloves come off. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Do you really... Is this a character that you invented? Or it just comes out when you sit down to write? Um, both. You know, I, I write other things that aren't right. necessarily as aggressive. What made um, you feel like this was the one that you wanted to put on stage? This is the one that needed to be on stage. Mm. That has for, things for to say that are important to... to their, Subjects that boyfriend talks about are important to boyfriend. Mm. They're important to me, and they're important to I think the demographic that I can represent. So of you know people that maybe come from more conservative backgrounds, but are trying to find themselves in maybe like a liberal arts. That would be community. that would be like me, right? Sixty-year-old white <laughs> Jewish guy from New York. Exactly. <laughs> or I wish that's like my fantasy version of myself. Really? Is like Donnie? Oh yeah. Donnie is a fantasy version the, of the yourself. Porsche. Yeah, I mean I. Okay took We're as many Jewish fiction classes when I was getting my English degree at UCLA um, as possible and well, Donnie I just is dreamt not out of go- Jewish going fiction. to the Catskills. <laughs> yeah, but, um, oh yeah, but that whole, you know, saw, um, I, I just really love that, coming from a Christian background, I love that Jewish people can identify with a culture without it necessarily being tied to a religious dogma. You can be Jewish without necessarily being um, judgmental whereas i feel like the connotation of calling yourself christian carries a little bit more political weight and that's always been something that was a struggle for me growing up in a very christian household well you know we're basically chickens so (laughs) i don't want to stir up the pot right but uh that's true to a certain degree but you know there are tradition it's a traditional religion but there are religious obviously tradition tradition (laughs) That's what you mean? Some good music. <laughs> <laughs> dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of clay. I was getting ready for Hanukkah, you know. Mm-hmm. My, yeah. My kids are singing that at home right now. It's really cool. <laughs> there aren't as many good Hanukkah songs as Christmas songs, though. That's one area where I'm thankful for my childhood of well, repertoire. Good, you know, what's better than Adam Sandler's song about Hanukkah? <laughs> What, what would a Christian person be who was a Christian but wasn't religious? Is this? I mean, you can be Jewish and not, and not be religious, religious right, but what you're saying is you can't really be you Christian. Can't really. Why is that? I used I, to hear cafeteria Christian or cafeteria Catholic. Have you heard? But this? there's a yeah, undercurrent heard, heard of hypocrisy, Catholic. right? There's like if if someone is that, you kind of think they're hypocritical in a way. Mm. Whereas I I would never approach a Jewish person who identifies as Jewish but doesn't practice as hypocritical. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I used to get in the same beef when I was falling out of Christianity with my friends who only subscribed to the parts of the Bible they wanted. Like, well, I'm a good person, and I believe that we should be kind to one another. And I was like, well, that doesn't make you a Christian. That makes you a good person. Mm. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> what know? would I mean? I hate to say this, but what would what would Jesus do? Well, what would what did Jesus Christ believe was a good Christian? I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a whole church oh and dogma and a whole bunch right. of bullshit. He just had some good ideas, which good were probably yeah, following the good ideas. Yeah. So yeah. couldn't you? That's couldn't you just be that? I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. For me, it's it's an association. You know, if you you use that word, you're probably associating yourself with people you might not want to. So it's a wider. Well, that's sad, isn't it? Cast the net so wide. Were you raised it Baptist? It is sad. Were no, you? Church of Christ. Church okay. of Christ. I don't know what that is. Next is that to the first oh. bank or something. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Pretty accurate. What's, yeah. What is Church of Christ? So it is a, um, well, it's a Protestant religion that is um, a, a spinoff, actually, reactionary to the Baptist movement because the, the Baptists were getting too carried away with their doctrine. And so yeah. it's, a, it's it, heavy air quotes, a return to the original doctrine being the Word of God. So it's a very, very literal interpretation of the Bible. Um, and of course, it's you know some old dudes in like the 1800s literally interpreting the so Bible. It's, it's fundamentalist. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's no. Um, here's a really great example that kind of can can paint the picture for you. There's no instruments allowed because there is a, a Bible verse that says, "Hang on a minute." You know, lift your voices up unto God. It doesn't say. You grew up in a household of songwriters that didn't play instruments. <laughs> that didn't play. Well, my dad's big rebellious move when he went off to college was to start a Christian rock band. Not to knock some girl up <laughs> or <laughs> to stop right. going to church, but he started a Christian rock band, and that I'm was gonna play the guitar, sinful. Yeah, for Jesus, because right. you're not allowed to have instruments right. in church. Wow. Because the Bible verse doesn't say, lift up your guitars and your drumsticks to God. It says, lift up your voices unto God. So they take that to mean that you're not supposed to have an instrument Correct. at all. That's like taking How two, that's taking crazy. liberties with the Word of God. But well, that's bizarrely fundamental. I mean, that's... Just because yeah, that's it, fair. That's fundamentalism, yeah. per se. That, that's right there. to sort of yeah. suppose that everything that's just one thing includes one word excludes everything else. Right, and just because it says voices, it excludes instruments. Well, the, when I would get into arguments with my grandma <laughs> about it, she the example that she would give me to try and make it all crystal clear is say, well, say I handed you a five dollar bill and I told you to go into the store and come out with vanilla ice cream. If you came out with vanilla and chocolate ice cream, you'd be disobeying me. That was the logic applied. If the vanilla there. ice cream only cost two dollars fifteen, where the other two dollars right. fifteen bought the chocolate allowed. ice cream, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, yeah, that it, would be disobedient. Mm. Right, okay. that would be because I didn't say go get vanilla and chocolate right. ice cream. Mm. I said get vanilla. Johnny, well, there, it, there's there's elements in you know in Judaism that you can find in popular culture that may, may be considered different or extreme. For uh, I. Makes me think about the movie Bananas with Woody Allen, where he takes over and makes everybody wear their underwear on the outside. You know, <laughs> and uh, that makes as much sense to me as not having instruments. Mm -hmm. You know, well, one's a movie and one's actually boyfriend's family. <laughs> well, yeah, but it all comes from the same place. We also actually a wear story. our underwear on the outside. outside. Yeah, I know. That's it's part of fundamentalist. Yep. Church I of think Christ. It's, I think it's Prophet uh, Douglas Funny taught me that. <laughs> Do they still go Duff, to no. the Church of Christ? <laughs> I got it. I got Thanks. it. What, what was his character? Quail, yeah, Quail, Quail Man. Quail, Quail Man. Man. Yeah. Quail Man. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, do your family still go to the Church of Christ? Are they still into it? Some. Other than you? Some. It's. Um, you better tell them not to come to this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends. I mean, my, oh my, my parents and I actually kind of fell out of it at the same time. It was a very interesting time because I was in junior high, early high school years, skipping chapel to call my dad from the locker room and talk about like Kurt Vonnegut books that we were reading that were blowing our minds. Um, while he's in you know, his mid-40s, kind of going through the same mental process. Um, after what, he married a Catholic, what took him so <laughs> what took him so long, and you short circuited it by twenty or um, thirty years? The, you know, it takes a long time for any indoctrination to fall away, uh, if it does get to at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. those fear is the m most powerful emotion, and it's the main tool that these type of institutions use to, you know, instead of love, it's really you know your guidelines are set up by well, fear. You've, you've been through this, so tell us a little about that. What happens? What are you scared of when you let go of it that you're going to that's going to happen to you? Um, you know, for me, the sex was the way that I exited, and it's very evident in my music. Um, I have looked the way that I look pretty much since I was 10, 9 or 10. You know, just 
maybe How it was the just... chicken finger hormones, but <laughs> I, you yeah, know, I, I swear I've had that. The boobies. Yeah, yeah, my <laughs> girls are like that too. I, we all theorize it's the hormones in the chicken. Yeah, well, and I'm now vegetarian, so. So you get. <laughs> so you mean you you had boobs early? That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, and okay. just uh, more than boobs, you know, a general care. You know, I carry like myself and my body like a woman right. very early. I got my period on my 11th birthday, the first day of fifth on your grade, actual birthday on my actual birthday. And what Beautiful age? Birthday that gift. seems to be pretty common though. You hear that a lot now. That yeah, girls, nowadays girls it's earlier and earlier. It's yeah. a chicken. It's the chicken. I think, chicken. I think in, the, in the milk. They inject, yeah, they yeah, put the hormones milk. and all that milk. crap. Yeah. So milk, milk and chicken. There's hormones in milk and hormones in chicken. Yeah. Uh, and everything, really. I mean, BP, it's all. The, yeah, the, all the plastic bottles, all that crap. So we're breeding a, a generation of women, of young girls who are becoming young women. Very quickly. Years earlier than they should. How mm-hmm. many years earlier than you expect to get your period at what age? Your parents' generation. I think my my mom was 15. 15. You yeah. were 11. Mm-hmm. Which the difference between 11 and 15 yeah. is. My mom was girl. 37. <laughs> 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 but she, she's, you know, older. She's from the 30s. Yeah, yeah. So the further back you go. I don't know if she ever so actually check. had it. <laughs> you can't imagine your mother and mother really ever having a parent. No. No. Come on. That's something no, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I picture my kids just... <laughs> <laughs> uniformly going yeah, yeah really working in the field Bold. bloody underpants is no big thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. so when you have your period of 11 year olds and in a family like that does anyone tell you what's happening does anyone have a conversation yes and that's the the weird um dichotomy about the way i grew up is that my parents my immediate family was actually quite liberal and open with me and you know, b- being a family of creatives the way that they were but i still was sent to a christian school every day and was sent to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and you know it was kind of a a disconnect between the environment in our home and the environment and these institutions that we subscribe to as where you go where you go to get your education so your fantasy escape was being a 60 year old white Jewish guy <laughs> well that didn't come till college once I started reading Philip Roth but um yeah it what was, made um, you want to not become a novelist then and get this all down which she sounds like you could be a novelist. Oh, laziness. It's much quicker to write a three-minute song. Yeah. <laughs> Did, you <read? laughs> Did you want to be a performer, too? Yeah, I always um, performed in, in high school. I did show choir long before Glee was a popular show. And, um, you know, did the, the plays and all of that. So being I've never felt uncomfortable on stage. It's always just been fun for me. Right. Let's take a listen to another song. Would you like to hear another one, guys? Yep. W- yes, one, one, Donnie, one, you have a question. I just have one comment to make about Nashville songwriters. They are so good that they can write a three-minute song in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How do you like that? Thank you <laughs> very true, much. It's true. So, boyfriend, what are you thinking? By the way, just to answer, I mean, this is a stupid question. I suppose you get asked this a lot, but why have you decided not to ever have anyone use your real name and just call your boyfriend? It began because I was still um, actively working with the kids. When oh, so you didn't want the sort of take off. You didn't want yeah, your school kids the, to know the that. Difference, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Mystique. Yeah, but they called you, your kids at school called you, whatever your name is, Miss So and So. Right. Yeah, so I had nightmares of coming into class and them chanting boyfriend69.com. Well, somebody, oh, boyfriend69.com is how to find you if we're working for you. <laughs> but wouldn't, um, wouldn't they find you? A, I mean, someone's going to look on the internet, and they didn't. Crossing the fingers. They not, didn't. Not yet. Well, it doesn't matter now if you're not teaching. Right. Well, it does. It still matters to me because I, I wouldn't want to feel have them feel betrayed that they thought they knew who I was, but in fact, don't. Um, because they don't they're know not. Who they are. That's they're fine. not. Yeah, and they're not <laughs> old enough to understand. How old are these little like types? satire and commentary? At five to twelve year olds. In hmm. the Treme. Can you explain to somebody, like you have to explain to your family and other people, that this is not really me, this is just a character I play on stage? Perhaps. But is if that it, true? Yeah, I mean, that's the, it's still coming from Good my Good question, brain. Andrew. Yeah. Is yeah. that true? That's the whole point. I think that's, that's the whole, yeah, it's the performance art part of it, you know? It's that you're talking about the fourth wall, but, you know, we're, we're watching something that I want to believe is, is a real part of, of how you're feeling, and, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's completely real to me. It's... it's more real than anything else yeah. that's fair because it, yeah in many ways it is um, the more honest so this is really you saying yeah. look at me I want some fucking attention <laughs> so yeah. and the story it on behalf of, of the times that I think it needs to be said you know e- each of these songs was an attempt to join in the conversation about love that 
like every song on the right. radio has already been having. Right. And to just put add my voice to the mix. What about the story of the guy who couldn't make you come like your hand did? Is that based also, on a tr- I mean, that's all based on a experience. true story? I think everyone who's ever had a lover has at some point felt unsatisfied. And so how many guys out there now are listening to this? song going shit. Are you asking for my number? Oh my <laughs> no, I want, God. How many guys are thinking is that about me is what I'm saying. Like when Alanis Morissette. I hope set. they all are thinking that. <laughs> Wondering. Leave them second guessing and they have something to prove. When Alanis Morissette wrote that song, remember that thing? What the hell was that called? Yeah. What was uh, it called about? Go, uh, uh, you you, you know, something you, like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess Jagged Little Pill, the whole album yeah, was kind yeah. of yeah. that. There were all kinds of guys who came out and said, oh, that's about me or The guy from fa- Full House, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it? Yeah. What's That's, his name? That was the word. Oh, what was his can't, name? Can't recall. Dave Coulier. Thank you, Chris. Coulier. Chris knows <laughs> it. So that hasn't happened to you yet? No one's heard this and gone, oh, Jesus. No, but I, I can't wait for like some big internet story of like, boyfriends. <laughs> yeah. Well, which boyfriends, one? Boyfriends. Let's listen to one. What, which one do you want to listen to? Um, what's your triangle? Okay. Chris, do we have that? Kill in a dress so tight, she was down to fuck, no fuck, no fight, she had good luck, I stayed the night. Saw her every night that week, then the dates had lots to eat. Matching parts, matching treats, she my girl, she got my keys. Now we texting dirty pigs, now romance and get the licks. Now we need a little dick, and now I seen you after it. Boy, I seen you passing by, boy, you should get this a try. We curious, we talking about, now make this right and go to drive. Scissors, like scissor. Now we're in the condo playing drunk twister. Got your Mr. Rolling Swishers. My eyes look like someone passed away. Started getting faded. Now you kind of look like in Hathaway. Snapchat of me, dick pics. Triple six. Hit the lights. What you got with Minnie? Yeah, right, bitch. I'm about to leave no witnesses. I can probably show you what fitness is. I tie bow on top that dip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. I never blush, got Toys R Us all in my uterus Two's just company, three's a crowd, but crowds ain't nothing new to us Me and boyfriend making waves, I swear to make you mop it up There's levels to the shit, we'll let you borrow the binoculars Wanna get you in the back, the beamer Wanna get you a little hair, wanna get you a little treat Once you get it from the back, you can meet her Oh boy, you want to eat her? Well, first you got to eat this Oh boy, you want to watch us? Well, first you got to watch this Drop your pants, drop your smile Stop romance, we acting well I got a chance, you got to stab But have patience, we last a while Lose that grin, we try to twerk We all win when we all work We gon' kill it, we get murked Ain't no sin when no one hurts Goodness, nice. What is it supposed to be funny? Hmm. It's clever. Loaded question. No, it's a lot of the it, lyrics are clever. I uh-huh. think if, if you find something funny, uh, hopefully you just laugh and don't question. You know. I think that's how you get away with it because it's so right. clever. It's funny. It's right. Well, I think that there's a huge tradition of that in rap, though. You know, someone can be dead serious, but they're still trying to slip a pun in. Mm-hmm. I was trying to slip that pun. There's a lo- but there's, a, there's an element of anger in this sort of stuff. 
What now? There's an element of anger. Yeah, it's it's meant to be a, a bit aggressive, an undercurrent of aggression, right. hopefully. But somehow it's tempered with some sort of intelligence, I suppose is the word. Is that right? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Donnie, that's what, I would agree. Thinking? I, I, w- I was just thinking that it's, it's really good. And good, that the I'm whole, glad. you know, you're a character, and I don't mean that in... Uh, in a, a negative way, you, you boyfriend is a performer, you know, and your approach is great and unique. And I think yet your voice is happening. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, you can sing on that one. You were actually singing. And I, I you know, it, the, it worked for me. Good. I mean, I, I used to do a lot of rap music back in oh, the early really? '80s when it was just drum machine and maybe a bass line and the mm-hmm. rap. So it wasn't ever, there was never any music. It was just the rhythm and the rap. And I would say to the guys, I had a little MIDI studio back then. And so these kids from uptown would come to see me and I'd program the drums and they'd have on their school paper, their high school kids, their raps. And they, anytime I tried to do, make it musical, they'd say, no, 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 just bass and drums, bass and drums, that's it. And that's how it was in the early 80s. Yeah. And then, it be, you know, then it progressed to where we are with Boyfriend today, which right. is a great... And where you are, you have a beautiful studio over there at the Esplanade Studios. Esplanade Studios what, is rocking. What goes on over there? What are you working on? Well, I'm working on... Uh, I do commercials, a bunch of jingles. I've got a new venture going with Le Petit Theater where Andre Robert, my business partner, and I are going to be putting shows on. We've got Dr. John coming at the, oh, wow. to the Le Petit New Year's Eve. Awesome. New Year's Eve 2014, if you're listening to this. Yeah, and it hasn't come on down and get a yet. ticket. Wow. And it's connected to the Brendan's Restaurant tableau over there. So there's just walk through a door and get loaded. Come and see I'm, the I'm show. I'm on that board. That's a f- it's really fabulous it's now. Cool. You're on the board of Le Petit. Mm-hmm. Did you know anything about these shows that uh, Donnie's putting on? I've, yes, I've heard the. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Scuttle on them. Yeah, it's great. But it's a fabulous evening. Because yeah. you can eat and see, you know, fabulous and, entertainment, and it's you know. So you so it's so awesome. Well, it's so great to meet you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be working together. Yes. So you can sit awesome. down in a theater, in an intimate theater, right? And right. see a, a person play who the you. The concept put out. is yeah. an intimate evening with so and so at Le Petit Theater. Right. Okay. And there's no place like it in town. It's 370 seats. There right. isn't a bad seat in there. Mm. And you and I plan on having people like Roseanne Cash has expressed some interest. John Oates from Hall and Oates, um, Bobby Rush is going to come down. So I want to do, and boyfriend I'm sure will be performing <laughs> there at some point. You know, we we won't have an eclectic nights. What's the tech writer look this. like for boyfriend? What are you uh, rocking up there? Posy vibes only. Oh, just you and the vibes. <laughs> All right, right on. Easy. You know, I actually saw Dr. John perform in Harlem just a month ago at a memorial for um, little Jimmy Scott. Mm. And even though I was in Harlem, I had never felt more connected with the music of New Orleans than that moment. It was eerie. Mm. He was sitting right in front of me in the pew right ahead of me. And I was, you know, it's just New Orleans is one of those cities that's plugged into like an an international network of culturally relevant places. That you can be somewhere as culturally relevant as Harlem and at the moment still be about... New Orleans. That's it was, right. It was pretty rad. Irvin Mayfield was just up there playing with the jazz orchestra and at the Apollo. And it was, you know, we, I think we New Orleans travels well. I would agree. You know, and we're, we aim to make it travel even better. You know, get this music out there and the theater and all and of there's that. There's a wide yeah. range of stuff that goes on here from there's Dr. John to Boyfriend. and You could yeah. not yeah. inconceivably see them in the same I place. I mean, I love traditional jazz. And that's great and a powerful part of New Orleans culture. But there's great musicians and other actors mm. and performers, street performers that need to be seen and heard as well around the world. Absolutely. Boyfriend, what's the actual boyfriend scene for you? Are you dating anybody? Boyfriend can't have a boyfriend. Boyfriend can't have a boyfriend. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. It'd be too confusing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> You must be a pretty intimidating person to go on a date with, I would imagine, if you knew the music. Not if he just met you in a bar like I this, he would think you're a charming young woman. Those who encounter me in person after they've encountered me on the internet, I think, um, 
either cower or see it as a challenge. Mm, right. You know, it's kind of like the gauntlet has been laid. But if you're the other way around, if you met somebody like someone who heard this interview with you mm-hmm. or met you in a bar, they would have no inkling that you are this character, boyfriend. So they wouldn't be intimidated. Hopefully not. Has that happened? I mean, what order are you doing things in these days? Are people... Do people, are you meeting people who already know who you are as a performer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I just got off tour for three weeks, and that does does wonders. You know, people just share with each other. And it was a southeastern tour, and each venue was kind of in conversation with the other venues at some level already anyways. And it's just a very small group of, you know, liberal arts-educated 20-something people that tell each other about things pretty quickly. So the three of you have all, Donnie and Boyfriend and Andrew, you've all been through this. You're performers who are popular and famous in different ways and different levels. What's it, is it the same for you, Donnie and Andrew, when you meet people and, and they know who you are and it changes things then? No, it probably just means they met my mom at the grocery store or something. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of, that's not true, you have a lot of rabid fans and people follow you and no. they do. <laughs> there are a lot of, lot of, um, lot of, lot of older women. Older women mm-hmm. love you. Is that right? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. I don't know, man. They. It's the beard. The beard. What's not to love? Look at it. Have you? <laughs> have you? Wait to hear the songs. That, hey, you know what? Should I make you play something before voice. we get out of here? I think we're all done. I know, but well, I would love to hear you play something. I'd love you to play something for these guys. I'd love to hear something. Yeah, Let's come play on, Andrew. Something, Let's Grant. do it. I'm it's here all, every week, Grant. I know, but I think these guys would like to hear you play something too, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Uh, not really. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. But uh, appreciate the yeah, that's all right. Quotes from Kansas, told from California Oh, whenever I leave a foreign land I always take a little land along I filled up two side with a handful of river rocks Oh, when I leave a foreign land I always take a little land along All my life, I've been picking, I've been picking up stones. I got them lined on my windowsill, enough to fill a wishing well. Or I could go down the road, name every stone for every time. Lily, I've been wondering though. Pockets filling up with stones Is this my way Trying to slow me down I met a girl from up north Like nobody I've met before She's 20 karat gold And all my friends are settling down all I've done is wander around What will I build my foundation on? Oh, well, I've been picking up stones Yeah, I've been picking up stones I'll start with some coal from California Maybe some Texas shale Might as well throw it on in With some limestone Some mudstone, grindstone Grind it up with a little petrified wood Bet if I could add a little water Let it dry good Oh, well I've been picking up stones Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was worth it, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yeah. it was. That was a great Wonderful. tune. Thanks, y'all. Beautiful. There yeah. you go. That's been quite a songwriter day here today, hasn't it, Cindy? Oh, yeah. This one gets my vote for maybe the best uh, best guests. Best guests ever? Everybody was fun and interesting Ooh. and cool. Intelligent. Yeah. yeah. And had something to offer. Yeah, I like this right. one a lot. Yeah. Good show. 
Well, I think we could leave it. We couldn't leave it on a bit of a higher note than that, probably, Andrew. Nope. Yep. Thank my you favorite. very much. Yep. So much. Thank you, everybody. Cindy Olsfeld, thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. Along with Donnie Markowitz and Boyfriend, otherwise known as Boyfriend. Boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and we can find you. Uh, we have links to all your, your work on our website. But if you listen to this and you don't have a um, access to a website right now, it's boyfriend69.com. Correct. And uh, Donnie, what's your coordinates uh you can just look uh nowhere nowhere i don't really have don't any even coordinates nothing coordinates. you just nothing. have to just off the grid i'm off the grid <laughs> check out the le petit theater. yeah check out the le petit, le petit theater, theater over the next few months it's going to be awesome and cindy you're getting us tickets to uh, elephant man yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here. <laughs> All right. thank you very much Perfect. that's been happy hour for another 60 minutes my name is grant morris our show is produced by Graham DuPonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. The theme music for Happy Hour was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit around the table for about 60 minutes, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. Where you can also find out plenty other Happy Hours to listen to, as well as Out to Lunch with Peter Aschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with Chris True, Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada, and Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. You can keep up with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. These photos are taken by the fabulous Douglas Engel. If you listen to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, thank you very much for subscribing at Stop Everything You're Doing Right Now and take one minute to rate and review us. That would be very kind of you, and it helps other people find us as well. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich and fine booze into a glass. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Don't forget, if you want free tickets to Comic Con 2015, check out our Facebook and Google Plus pages. For Andrew Duhon here, and everyone else around the table, Graham DePonte, everyone here at Wayfair, and everyone back at the INO office, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next time on Happy Hour. All right.